Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you The Seminarians, a dialogue with students from the Pontifical College Josephinum, produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire vocations to the religious life. And now, The Seminarians. Welcome to The Seminarians Show on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. My name is Brian Smith. I'm a seminarian of the Diocese of Youngstown, and I'm joined today by Jacob Stinnett a seminarian of the Diocese of Columbus. Let us begin our show today in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Loving God, when you created the world, you looked upon your creation and recognized its goodness, the goodness of all the things you had made. Help us always to appreciate the goodness and the beauty of creation, and help us to see you to learn to know you and to love you more through the things you have made. Our Father, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Jacob, I thought today we might talk about something that um, is in most people's lives in some way, um, and that's animals. Ooh, fun. you know, people have pets very commonly, mm-hmm. and then even if we don't have pets, we um, see a lot of squirrels and birds around here in central Ohio. That's right. That's right. And, you know, throughout the scriptures and even in our churches, you know, we see animals, and often through them... Um, you know, in the scriptures, there's some sort of message being communicated through, you know, either what the animal is like or, um, you know, how, you know, the way that animal interacts with humans is somehow telling us something about God's love for us. Sure. And then in, in our sacred art, um, you know, these images of animals often are drawing us into the mystery of faith somehow. Mm -hmm. So I thought we'd talk about that a little bit today. Great. Great. Where do you want to start? Well, I already, in our prayer, you know, referenced the the creation of the world as we see it in the book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted at least to briefly go back to the beginning there. Start at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we see how, you know, God creates first, you know, the the earth and the sky and the water, the light and the darkness, and... Then he starts creating different forms of life, um, plant mm-hmm. life, animal life. And, you know, in the book of Genesis, we have the division between life in the water, life in the air, and life on the land. Mm. And um, God sees these things and says they are good. He looks at them and recognizes that they are good things. Um, and then I think one of the, the things that we can look at in the book of Genesis is just how God establishes a certain boundaries in the relationship between man and the rest of creation and man and the animals mm-hmm. specifically in this point. Um, when God creates human beings, um, we hear how he makes man in his image. And then he says immediately after that, let them, let mankind have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, 
and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Um, and God wishes for man and for all the living things to be fruitful and multiply and to thrive. Mm-hmm. So um, man's relationship is one of dominion, but at the same time it's one of you know taking care and you know cultivating um, what is good in the life around him even if it is serving man's needs in some way. Right. right. We also hear in that story how man is different from the rest of the animals. Yes. Right? So we have the, he has dominion. There's this quality that God has placed within man mm-hmm. that separates him. Um, but also even before that, just in the the narrative of the creation of man, we see how he's different with the creation of the sun and the moon, uh, the dry land from the sea. God just says, it will be, and right. it was. It was. Mm-hmm. Just direct command. We get to humans, uh, man, God kind of has this pause, this self-reflective moment. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, let us make man in our image right. and likeness. So there's this sort of likeness to God already setting man apart, you know, in who he is, not just some sort of qualities that God gives him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that, we have man having dominion and care for Mm-hmm. for the animals and one of the the words that we use for this um you know is custody or um oh well, i'm forgetting it right now it begins with an s um anyway stewardship stewardship thank you that's the word i was trying to think You're of welcome. stewardship of creation um is an idea that we take from this command of god to have dominion at the same time concern and care right um, and, you know, I thought we'd highlight just different times where we see animals in, in Scripture. Mm-hmm. So, um, we start with somewhat of a negative example mm, with um, yeah. the serpent in the Garden of Eden. And um, the serpent is described as the most cunning of all the animals that God had created. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show how sometimes we can see in just the way these animals are something that... Um, you know, God and the writers of Holy Scriptures who are inspired by him are trying to show us and tell us. And in the case of a serpent, you know, what distinguishes a snake or a serpent from many other animals? They get around using what? Just their bodies, it seems. Just their bodies, know? their bellies. You know, yeah. they're, they're kind of stuck to the ground, to yeah. earth, to, to basic things. To, to They only think of or... You know, it seems, you know, if we, if we, if, if they think they're always <laughs> attached to lower things. Yeah. And the serpent, where is he trying to draw the attention of Adam and Eve to? Well, first away from God mm-hmm. so that, um, they would try to make themselves like gods in, in, mm-hmm. in his place. So drawing their eyes away from looking up mm-hmm. to God down, down to him, to just our own existence, a very horizontal look at the world. Yeah. Right. And um, this word that is used for serpent or snake here in Genesis appears in other places in the scriptures, and sometimes it can mean more like even a dragon. Mm. So then we can draw connections between even some of the later books in scriptures. Which sure, we see the great battle in Revelation between mm-hmm. the woman clothed with the sun and the mm-hmm. dragon. Yeah, And then we can draw that connection even the woman battling the dragon in Revelation and the promise to Eve that... Mm-hmm. You know, someone from her, born from her, will um, crush the head of the serpent. Right. Okay. right. So, um, 
there's a little introduction to to some an, an animal that we see in the Bible. But if we we continue on, you know, in in the book of Genesis, one other animal that comes to mind is the dove. We start seeing, um, which appears throughout Holy Scriptures, mm-hmm. in the story of the flood. So sure. we have the story of Noah um, and the ark, and after the waters have started receding, uh, as Noah's wondering, you know, when they might be able to find land again, he starts sending out little reconnaissance missions. Right, right. Um, and he first sends a raven, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, that doesn't come back. Yeah, <laughs> strange. Just flies away and keeps flying. Must have had a lot of energy stored up to fly around until the land reappears. Yeah. Good for the raven. But the dove... Um, First goes back and returns with nothing, uh-huh. <laughs> and then goes back on a second trip and brings back a branch, mm. um, commonly identified as an olive branch, right? Right. right. So, um, a sign of peace that God's warring against humanity is over. Mm-hmm. Right. And and then it goes out a third time and doesn't return, presumably because it's now found a place to just rest and yeah. caught up with the raven. <laughs> <laughs> Soon after that, um, everyone else is able to leave the ark too. So we see the dove, of course, then later in the New Testament. That's right. Yeah, the dove is. We see it first at um, the baptism of our Lord, mm-hmm. um, where we have the first sort of revelation of the Holy Trinity. Right. Right. Um, so the you know we have John the Baptist in the scene. Um, he's baptizing our Lord and. Then uh, we have this, this great sign in the sky. Right. Um, the, the heavens open up and a dove descends. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the dove, there's a voice. You know, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Right. We s- see the son being baptized. We see the dove mm-hmm. who represents the Holy Spirit. And then the voice we hear of the Father. Right. When, when our uh, Byzantine Catholic, in the Byzantine Catholic worship of the Feast of the Epiphany, mm. there's a common refrain, Christ is baptized in the Jordan, the Trinity is revealed. Right. And that dove represents the Spirit. Yeah. Um, we see that so often in Christian art. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how we think of the Holy Spirit, since the Holy Spirit isn't incarnate, uh, like the right. Son is, representing mm-hmm. him as a, a human person right. would seem a little strange. So mm-hmm. we use that symbol of the dove all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when we went to St. Peter's in Rome, that very back window of yes. the main nave has that very famous uh, image, the window of the Holy Spirit above the, the altar of the chair there, um, which is made not from glass. It's actually made from stone, mm-hmm. right? Thinly cut alabaster um, to let the light in, the light of the Holy Spirit in. I remember it. Everything in St. Peter's is so well proportioned that you see it all the way down at the end. You could still make out the dove. Right. And our tour guide was telling us, yeah, that dove's wingspan is nine feet across. Right. It's <laughs> very large, but it doesn't seem so in, in the vast space there. Yeah. And, you know, besides these concrete examples in Scripture where we see the dove, mm-hmm. um, other places where we understand the Holy Spirit is um, active, mm-hmm. for example, the Annunciation, Right. Where we often see... Not only the Blessed Mother and the Archangel Gabriel depicted, mm-hmm. but the Holy Spirit is there too. And there's often like a ray of light going yeah. from above the dove to the dove and then to the, the Blessed dove. Mother. Yeah. Because it's through the Holy Spirit that she can see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
You're listening to The Seminarian Show on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. My name is Brian Smith, and I'm joined by Jacob Stinnett today. We're speaking about animals in sacred scripture and in Christian art. Um, another you know, animal that we often see depicted, we often hear spoken about mm-hmm. um, in art, and we read, of course, about in both the Old and the New Testament, is the lamb. Right. Um, right. We hear every time at Mass, just before receiving communion, behold the lamb of God. Um, so this image of lamb is then attributed to our Lord. Um, which uh, the mass texts take from St. John the Baptist, mm-hmm. right, in John's Gospel. He, when he first sees our Lord coming, behold the Lamb of God. Um, and everyone's, who are you talking about? <laughs> so some of the more important associations we have with this Lamb, you know, come from the um, practice of sacrifice in the religion of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lamb was a common animal to be offered in sacrifice and you know a lamb and a sheep are other are used in other ways too throughout both the new and the old testament in the new testament of, of course christ refers to himself as the good shepherd mm-hmm. and we are to think of ourselves as his flock and we can even think back to the king to king david mm-hmm. and when the prophet Nathan, if I'm not mistaken, is confronting him about his sin. Right. He offers him this story of a man with a very dear sheep. Yeah. And it's, it's almost personified. You know, the sheep is yeah. more his, than a pet almost. Beloved sheep. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who drinks like from his same cup and yeah. sleeps with in the same bed as him. Yeah. Um, and David gets so drawn into that story that he says that the man who steals this sheep from this poor man um, deserved death, and then Nathan says, "That's you, right. you know, because of what you've done with Uriah." Uh-huh. Um, so we see how you know the the lamb is communicating to us both you know our idea or our identity as part of God's people, God's flock, um, the way He leads with leads us, and in Christ, the way He offers Himself as a victim on our behalf. Right, and having this the same image of sheep for the people of God and also the Lamb of God, Christ, it kind of shows, you know, Christ is one among us. Right. And you see that in some of the murals that we even got to see or mosaics in Rome Mm -hmm. where, so we know Christ is the good shepherd. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's a helpful image. But sometimes Christ is depicted as one sheep among many. So we see um, sometimes at the bottom level of the apse, so like that little kind of half circle part that mm-hmm. juts out behind the altar. The bottom band has just a bunch of sheep all facing towards the center yeah. in a row. And then in the middle, there's a sh- an- another sheep, usually on a pedestal, mm-hmm. like one foot above the rest yeah. of them. Set above the rest. Mm-hmm. But like you said, he's another sheep in right. the midst of all the other sheep. It's not right. like the shepherd is there crowned or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it really shows the, the corporate nature of the church, mm-hmm. right? We're... We're all in this together, and I how, suppose. And it communicates in some way the way that we are members of Christ's body. You know, mm-hmm. More than just servants of God, you know, we are members of his body right? right. There's, through Christ. I mean, St. Thomas Aquinas says there are many ways that God could have chosen mm-hmm. to redeem the world, to mm-hmm. justify man, but he chose the most fitting, which was having one among man yes. do it himself. So that way it brings all of us 
into that relationship with God in a more particular and more beautiful way. And of course, we do that through the incarnation, having God and man together as one uh, person. So to see that image of one sheep among others in the flock helps us to reflect on that mystery mm-hmm. and God's goodness through that. Yeah. Um, one image that we have even in our seminary um, is uh, the image of deer. And mm-hmm. often these deer are depicted lapping up water in a stream or even out of like a spring or a fountain or something yeah. like that. Are you referring to the deer we have in some of the murals or the deer that run around campus all day? <laughs> well, I was thinking of the murals, okay. but it's hard to avoid the ones that are always running around the property. Yeah, yeah, yeah our, <laughs> our tamed deer, it mm-hmm. seems. So we have this mural in the back of our house chapel, so the mm-hmm. house where we theologians meet every, most days at least, for prayer. Um, and it's a common image, even in some of these same types of churches that I just mentioned the image of all the sheep from, there's often a depiction of the cross, mm-hmm. either the cruci- crucifixion, you know, a cross with our Lord on it, or just a cross sometimes. And at the base of the cross, there's water kind of, squirting out of the ground yeah <laughs> like yeah, a spring a natural spring or streams a of eternal life mm-hmm. yeah. so the cross is you know the source of you know mm-hmm. salvation the water coming from the temple is kind of called to mind there sure and um yeah that these, imagery from ezekiel these deer the are just hanging around drinking the water there from the base of the cross mm-hmm. and what we have here is a reference to at least um to psalm 42 um, like a deer that yearns for running streams, so my heart is yearning for you, O oh God. Mm-hmm. So we're called to reflect on how, you know, especially we can see this in deer, but in so many creatures, you know, what are animals most worried about? Like finding their sustenance, basically. Mm-hmm. Even those squirrels we mentioned earlier, especially, um, you know, in the fall, what are they doing? They're going around collecting the nuts that they need for the winter. Right. So deer trying to find the source of water that they need. Um, and we're invited to enter into this dependence on God's goodness through creation and make an analogy to the grace we receive through Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a beautiful image. One of my favorite psalms, you just referenced Psalm 42. Um, there's also a beautiful um, motet um, mm-hmm. based on the text of that psalm that's uh, a relatively famous one, the the Secret Cervus mm-hmm. um, by Palestrina, I believe. Is that right, Brian? Yes, Great. not mistaken. Great, yeah. What a powerful piece that is. So, so also, um, we have these deer, but maybe the four most common animals that we see depicted in churches right. um, are, you'll see um, uh, an ox, a lion, an eagle, and then... An angel, usually, or a man, yeah. sometimes. So, um, what are these for? What are they doing all over the place? Well, the, the place where we we'll most often see them is either on the book of the Gospels, mm-hmm. so the the elaborate book that will often be carried in in procession at the beginning of Mass, mm-hmm. or maybe sometimes on the ambo, so the lectern where the readings are proclaimed from, mm-hmm. or somewhere near there. And... These four creatures are called the four living creatures <laughs> because we see them called that in scripture in mm-hmm. a few places. And the the two main places where we see them referenced is in the book of Ezekiel, so one of the prophets of the Old Testament, 
mm-hmm. and then in the book of Revelation again. Mm. Um, so in the book of Ezekiel, we hear about um, these creatures that are going around. They have four faces looking in four different directions, and they're described as um, one, the face of a man in the front, the face of a lion on the right side, the face of an ox on the left, and the face of an eagle on the back. So, of course, the number four is something we see, um, especially in the New Testament, because there's four different um, gospels that relate to us the life of our Lord. Right. So, one of the things that's happened in the history of the church is that each of the four gospel writers, each of the four evangelists, mm-hmm. has been associated with one of these four faces. Yeah, they're like particular <laughs> attributes of each animal mm-hmm. that we can kind of align with the yeah. the flavor that each particular gospel has. And I only recently learned that, you know, there are different saints in the history of the church who have actually kind of associated the evangelists with different animals of the four. Oh, really? They but there's different combinations. There are different combinations, but there's huh. one that's most common. Yeah. That's... Um, um, take attributed to Saint Jerome, so we're talking, okay. you know, in the fourth century, yeah. the early his, the early years of the church still, and um, we have the man associated with um, Matthew, mm-hmm. the gospel writer, um, and there's a few ways you can think about this and why this makes sense for Matthew. The way I most easily think of these four animals is that there's something in the first chapter of each of these gospels usually that leads us to this animal. So in the case of Matthew, the first chapter of his gospel presents to us Jesus' genealogy. Right. So his... Going all the way back to Abraham. His descent in human Mm -hmm. um, birth, you know, back from the the patriarchs of our faith. Yeah, we know he's the son of God, but he also calls himself the son of man. So where does he come from? So in the beginning of Matthew and then throughout the gospel of Matthew, we have a focus on how, you know, Jesus is the son of man mm-hmm. and his, his human nature is important. Hence, right. Matthew is associated with the face of a man mm-hmm. in those four creatures. The next one, the lion, is associated with Mark. And the easy way I associate this with Mark is that we just look in the first verses of the gospel yeah. and we're talking about John the Baptist, mm-hmm. the voice crying out in the wilderness. And what do lions do when they're in the wilderness? You know, they roar. Right. The king, right. of, king of the jungle or the king of the desert or wherever they are, I guess. Yeah. No, the roar, the voice crying out in the wilderness. But then another reason why the lion um, can make sense for Mark and just in association, in association with our Lord is that, you know, lions are associated with courage and monarchy. Mm-hmm. So Mark is all about understanding what is Christ's kingship and his messiahship really like. You know, the, the disciples... And other people sometimes think that Christ is going to be a worldly ruler in some way. Yeah, a political leader that'll unite the nations together or something. But he's trying to show them, you know, what does it mean for him to be, to bring the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God yeah. to earth. Yeah. A and life of sacrifice and of service. Another peculiar association I just recently learned was that apparently there's this story that lions sleep with their eyes open. So that's somewhat of an image of the resurrection of oh. Christ. I've never seen a lion sleeping, so maybe they do. Yeah. I'd be okay if I never do. 
Maybe at the zoo or something. Yeah, there we go. With the pane of glass between us. Yeah. Nice solid pane of glass. And then we move on to the third animal, the ox. Mm -hmm. Um, The easy way to associate that with Luke, there's really two. The beginning of Luke, we get a long story about Jesus' birth and the birth of John the Baptist. So there's two ways that we can associate the ox with that long introduction to Luke. One, um, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, is in the temple, which is the place where sacrifices were made. And Mm -hmm. often an ox was one of the animals offered in sacrifice. Yeah, that was one of the bigger sacrifices. Right. Right, like big things going on. Mm -hmm. And then, though we don't hear it mentioned explicitly at Jesus' birth, we hear that he was born and placed in a manger. So the place where the ox and the donkey, you know, are depicted as laying by. Mm-hmm. And um, this association comes commonly from the prophet Isaiah, who says, you know, he's kind of calling out Israel and says, look, even the ox and the donkey know who their master is and know who gives them food. So these animals recognize Jesus as the Lord, as do the simple people who are there, the shepherds, Mary and Joseph. So we're we're called to imitate them in a sense. Yeah. In knowing our master. Yeah. And then lastly, St. John, you know, um, the eagle flies in the sky and John is known for having very elevated language and a high theology. Mm -hmm. So it's appropriate then that we associate him with the eagle. Yeah. Talking about the eagle reminds me of another bird Mm -hmm. that we have a lot of times in Christian imagery is the pelican. Right. um, Which doesn't really appear in the Bible um, in any sort of significant way, but there's um, an ancient legend about pelicans that reminded early Christians of Christ. Um, the pelican, when Mama Pelican couldn't find food for her young, right. she cared for them so much that she would even, um, with her beak, uh, cut a hole or cut open her breast mm-hmm. and the blood, her own blood, she would right. use to feed her her young so, so we, we see the pelican used to represent the Eucharist right, often for that reason. Right, the blood of Christ poured out for for all of us. So um, grateful for all these ways that, you know, in God's creation, he not only gives us faithful companions in animals, but he also, you know, through them helps us to enter into the mystery of our faith. Um, let us conclude with a short prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, help us to be faithful stewards of your creation and always to be attentive to the ways you are speaking to us through it. And Blessed Mother, please help us to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit at all times. Hail Mary. Full of of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Seminarians is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of The Seminarians and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com.